0: Good afternoon and hello from Bill Allen and the West Erwin Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. It's a beautiful sunny day here, but it is a very chilly sunny day. Uh, Lots of sunshine, but also a very chilly wind and uh, some cool, cool temperatures at night. Uh, But it makes for a wonderful time when you're standing in the sunshine, which I am not right now, as you can see. But I am sitting in my office and looking forward to this study of this very critical A beautiful, challenging passage of Scripture from Colossians 2, verses 1 through 2. Uh, Looks like we already have some folks coming up and joining us. Pat Slade, hello to you. Glad that you uh, are able to take part in these sessions. And I know we'll have several others that will join us along the way as well. Just a reminder, I do this Tuesday-Thursday Facebook study on my Facebook page at 3 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays from the Book of Colossians. I do a Facebook study on uh, Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. on my Facebook page. Uh, Both of those are sent to our uh, West Erwin Church of Christ Facebook page and our live stream archives when it's done. And then on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m., that uh, Mark study that I do on Sunday afternoons on Facebook is actually broadcast uh, on Sunday evenings at uh, 6 p.m., on our live stream page at Uh And of course, you can find all kinds of previous lessons there as well. Nice to see my dear friends, uh, Cindy and Eric Mosley with us. Uh, Lenny and Joe Allard, always great to see those names pop up. Y'all are so faithful and encouraging this guy right here. And I do appreciate it. I appreciate everyone thinking of me and of Joyce while I was in COVID jail, uh, while I was under house arrest. Uh, quarantining, uh, glad to do that because I certainly didn't want to uh, share that with anybody. But at the same time, I was also very relieved when we got the uh, report back that the tests on me were negative. Never had any symptoms. I never had any indication that I uh, had had uh, taken on the coronavirus. But I was exposed, and felt like that was the right thing to do, and it was. And so I'm uh, glad to know that I'm uh, outside and active once again and uh, uh, through modern technology we're able to continue to share these great messages Uh, and so uh, let's get right to it as you remember this week is kind of a two-part lesson on this passage colossians 2 1 through 10 uh, and on Tuesday, if you haven't listened to that message, watch that message. Be sure and go uh, scroll down a little bit on my Facebook page, or on our West Irwin Church page, or uh, on our archives page, and uh, our live stream at westirwin.com. And uh, uh, listen, take a listen, um, because we set a lot of foundation for what I'm going to share today from this great passage in Colossians 2, 1 through 10. Uh, Not everybody relies on the firm foundation. We sing the great song, I'm Christ, the solid rock, I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, there's a lot of people that will settle for sinking sand. And that's what we talked about on Tuesday of this week and how it began uh, with the the, um, uh, modern era, the uh, uh, Gutenberg Press and the Uh, uh, Enlightenment period when science just really took off and it gave a lot of people insight and people began to trust in science actually more than in uh, scripture. On top of that came technology uh, and the power that goes along with having the technology, knowing how to use the technology. Uh, As you know, if you're following the United States news yesterday, and today still a big story involving some of those on the stock market that weren't exactly being honest about some things and and, uh, uh, they're in big trouble now and so it's uh, interesting how technology works. I think some of the fun videos are people trying to explain what happened (laughs) with GameStop and with the others. I'm not even going to try. I don't have any um, stock in GameStop, or GameStop but uh, I hope that everything works out, which I'm sure it will ultimately. Um, but he, the one who has the, the ability to use the technology, has a lot of power in our society today, as we have seen over these last several years. And so you have science and the insight it brings, technology and the power that it brings, And of course, the uh, uh, the almighty dollar is built onto that, the economic impact and wealth that uh, can be had through all of those things. And of course, money is ultimately scripture says, Paul writes to Timothy, it's not money that is the root of all evil, but the love of money that is the root of all evil. And that love of money causes people to uh, lose their better judgment and their moral character. And uh, unfortunately, that's what we've seen in a lot of folks in our society. Uh, so you have the foundation of science and insight uh, from scientific research. Uh, you have technology and the power of technology. You have wealth and money. Uh, and ultimately, what this tower is, is all about the self. Uh, just like the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, in uh, uh, the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, um, not long after the days of Noah, Uh Humanity, we, we feel like we're uh, better than we are, smarter than we are, more powerful than we are. And uh, God continues to remind us that that's just not true and that any other foundation than the foundation of Jesus Christ and the scriptures that reveal him, our Bible, that it's uh, the word of God, that it's not going to be enough. So I want us to take a look at this great passage of scripture today in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 10, it is a wonderful, wonderful passage. And um, it's challenging. And uh, next week, we're going to get to expand on it a little bit in the verses that follow. Um, but the first few verses we've looked at, uh, but I'll read them as we get into uh, verses 4 through 10. Colossians 2 I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, nearby town, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, at the end of verse 2, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, we spoke about that a little bit, talking about the mystery and the mission and purpose and uh, all of those things over the last uh, few lessons. And so building on that, uh, Colossians 2, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Have you heard any uh, hollow and deceptive philosophy? <laughs> Have you heard any fine-sounding, smooth-talking teaching that doesn't quite measure up? Well, that's nothing new. It was certainly going on in Paul's day as well, in the days of the Colossian Christians. Uh, such a horrible, horrible thing, uh, and yet it's still around today, 2,000 years later. Um, And that's where Colossians 2 helps us to be able to identify that, to be able to acknowledge that it's out there, and and to hear this warning. Uh, I love the way Paul puts it uh, in uh, in verse 8, make sure, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Uh, verse six, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving, thankfulness or gratitude. We need those lessons today because there's plenty of crazy teaching out there. There's plenty of crazy conspiracies as these la- this last year has certainly demonstrated to us. And unfortunately, there's so much energy and so much effort and so much time. That's put unto some of those things that sound good on the surface, and yet they they don't lead you towards Christ. They don't lead you to God's Word, and I think that's the answer, and that's what Paul tells us here: uh, is to make sure that we live our lives rooted and built up in Christ, and not in anything else, not in the philosophies of the day that seem to take us away from Christ rather than toward Him. Uh, that that. Move us away from the biblical morality that we read about in Scripture. Whatever the reason, whatever the excuse, whatever the justification, if it takes us away from God's word, it's taking us away from God. Jesus said plenty of times in the Gospels, you have got to hold on to my teaching if you're going to be one of my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 31 and 32. He spoke a lot about false teaching and being obedient, not just hearing his word, but actually doing it in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Throughout scripture, Jesus says that in the Gospels. God says that in the Old Testament and the New. We just can't jettison the word of God for hollow and deceptive philosophy. Fine sounding arguments that sound good on the surface but they can't give life, they can't take away sin, and they can't help us when things turn really, really bad in our lives. So let's take a look at this passage. Again, verses one through three, uh, we have covered before, and so let's, uh, uh, let's, let's take another look at, um, at some of this. Uh, he talks about the mission. Uh, And we mentioned that in the first three verses, this mystery in verses two and three, uh, have complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Uh, Christ in you. Other passages say Christ is that mystery. Christ is that ultimate mission. And, And that is the purpose. At the end of chapter one, he says, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, uh, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Again, my little, oh, this side, my little blue shield uh, back there that my dear friend and co-minister Donnie Cook made for me uh, that has my mission statement on it, which is that verse I just read and quoted Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Don't forget about the mission. And we've talked about that over these last few lessons. But secondly, in this passage, beginning especially in verse 4, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. First of all, don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. Again, Colossians 2 verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Paul says, I tell you this so that that won't happen. Well, what does he tell us? He tells us to stay with the mission. He tells us to remember that the mystery, the purpose, the mission, the revelation is Jesus Christ. It's not any great new teaching or new idea that somebody's going to bring about. That's what they thought in the days of uh, the Enlightenment, in the days of the modern world of the uh, late 17th, 18th, 19th, early 20th centuries, when science was making such great advancements. And it sounded like that was going to hold true. Uh, And those fine sounding arguments that said the Bible is out of date, the Bible is old, the Bible is for ignorant people who just don't know as much as we know now. And so what did science bring? Well, it brought some insight and science is a good thing. It's It's not an inherently bad thing. It's a horrible master, but it's a great servant and a great tool. And I I appreciate science and all of the... I'm not threatened at all by scientific research and scientific discovery. I just know that it's not going to contradict the Bible. And if it does, apparently, through fine-sounding arguments seemingly contradict scripture. I, I know that in a matter of years, likely, or possibly even sooner, uh, there's going to be newer scientific discovery and research that, that disqualifies that. Why? Because it's only the inspired and authoritative word of God that can stand the test of time. And, and so I'm going to take my, my side with the Bible. I'm going to stay there. But there are a lot of fine-sounding arguments that seek to deceive us, Last night in our in our Bible study here at West Irwin, uh, we were talking about Second uh, Thessalonians two and and how there's there's so much false teaching out there and so many uh, so many people saying all kinds of different things and God says, look, if you want to get away from my word, you can. There are options out there. There are plenty of things and God says, I'll even send a delusion myself so that they will believe the lie. If this truth isn't enough. If scripture isn't enough, well, there's plenty of other places that you can look. And God says that's, you know, I'm not going to force anybody to just accept my word. That's up to them. It's up to you. It's up to me. There are plenty of fine sounding arguments that can take us away from this word, but it can't give us what this word can. Uh, there's no other foundation that can we can turn to. that solid rock, uh, the one who lived and died for us. Don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. And then secondly, don't be deceived by hollow and deceptive philosophy. This verse 8 is such a timely verse for us. Colossians 2 verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this Jesus told us, he gave us his mission. He he told us to go and to make disciples of people. Uh, He told us to live a new life, to be raised to live a new life in Romans 6 and in Ephesians 4 and other places. He told us that we are to uh, uh, rely on our faith and that faith comes through the message of Christ, uh, hearing the word of God according to Romans 10:17. And so the writer of Hebrews in chapters 5 and 6 calls us to to challenge ourselves with the word of God and to grow as Peter says in grace and knowledge in 2 Peter 3 at the end of that great chapter. Um, and so don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by fine sounding arguments and there are plenty of them out there. Don't be deceived by hollow and deceptive philosophy. I believe the Bible uh tells things. It's okay to be challenged by Scripture. Some of it is very hard uh, and challenging to us, and, and some of it is difficult to understand. Peter even acknowledges that as he talks about some of the Apostle Paul's writing in the Bible itself in 2 Peter 1. But at the same time, Scripture is the only inspired and authoritative word. Yeah, be up on philosophy. Go ahead and read other stuff. Sure, sure, you bet. But just remember, there's only one place you can go for the inspired and authoritative word of God, and that's scripture. Don't be carried away by fine sounding arguments that take away from scripture. In Deuteronomy 13, we talked about this last night, there's a great passage in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 13 where Moses is writing and God says, look, if a prophet comes along and and he says something is gonna happen, and it does, but he tells you to go away from God's word, to worship some other God, then that person is to be cursed and not listened to and condemned. Uh, in Deuteronomy 18, God states the obvious and says, look, if a prophet comes along and he says something's going to happen and he doesn't, they're not from God. And yet, and yet so many people listen to these fine sounding arguments, look at all the research, uh, look at all the char- I've seen Bible studies where there's a whole wall full of charts and, and flow charts and Description of how something that's happening right now is the fulfillment of all biblical prophecy. It's not. It's just not. That won't sell any books. That won't give me any clicks on my video (laughs) Uh, because it's not sensational enough. People want something sensational, they want something dramatic. As dramatic, the most dramatic I can be is to tell you that the Son of God became flesh. And he lived a life of service. He lived an obscure life where he sacrificed for others and he gave of himself. And he taught his disciples and anyone who would hear that they should do the same. And then they killed him for it. But on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And today, 2,000 years later, almost the tomb is empty still. And the body was never produced because it ascended after a little less than two months uh, into heaven itself. Well, people don't, don't want just that. They don't want to hear, look, just, just listen to God's word, study God's word, serve others, love the Lord your God with everything about you and love your neighbor as yourself. Be willing to sacrifice, deny yourself rather than fulfill every desire that you might have and ask yourself, first of all, is this the will of God? And how do you know what the will of God is? You know it by studying the inspired and authoritative scripture. Well, that's not enough, that's not enough for a lot of people, they like the fine sounding arguments, they want the hollow and deceptive philosophy, and I beg you, I beg you, get back into the Bible, spend as much time reading the Bible as you do chasing down some of that other stuff, and you'll find that scripture is the only place Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Uh, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else that we need will be given to us as well. Paul tells the Colossians, don't fall for it. Don't fall for anything less than the Son of God himself. Don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. Don't be deceived by hollow and deceptive philosophy. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the only foundation that will last. Our faith in him must remain firm. Verse five says, it tells us instead of giving into those fine sounding arguments, uh, he wants us to be disciplined and to show how firm our faith in Christ is. Our faith in Christ must remain firm and we must live in him. A lot of people talk about receiving Jesus into your heart and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week because the verses that follow this passage lead off of verse six where it says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, what does that mean? Well, I think he's going to talk about that for the rest of the chapter, and I'm looking forward to talking about it too. But he says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You don't just receive Jesus into your heart, say a prayer, and then go on your way and live as if Jesus never lived and died and was raised from the dead. That's not it. That's not it at all. That's not how Jesus lived. It's not how the first century Christians lived. And it's not how we're to live either. Uh, We are to make sure that our lives are rooted in Christ. He is the firm foundation. Uh, on Christ the solid rock I stand. And so we must live in him. Go back to that scripture. Go back to that teaching. Paul reminds Timothy of that faith in the inspired word of God. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired, the end of Second Timothy 3 says. But he talks to Timothy and he says, look, I know that this faith first lived in your grandmother Lois. And then in your mother, Eunice, who, remember, was a Jewish woman who was baptized and who became a Christian, perhaps even at the same time that Timothy became a Christian and then now exists in Timothy also. And because of that great faith, Timothy was invited to go uh, with the Apostle Paul and with his partner Silas on his mission journey in Acts chapter 16 and in the chapters that follow. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only foundation that will last. Uh, our faith must be in him and it must remain firm. Uh, we must live in Christ and he alone has the supremacy. Those last two verses in verses 9 and 10 state it very well that in Christ uh, all the complete fullness of deity lives in bodily form. That can't be said of anybody else. Jesus is the only one that accepted worship in scripture that lived in this world because he is the son of God in Christ. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And as chapter one told us, he is the head of his body, the church, of which he is the savior. Jesus Christ is the only foundation that will last. Paul tells the Romans in the very beginning of Romans chapter 1, he says, Jesus Christ was declared with power to be the Son of God through the resurrection. And in Hebrews chapter 1, that great uh, uh, epistle begins by announcing how Jesus, after he gave himself, sacrificed his life, which he talks about a lot in the remainder of the book of Hebrews. He took that sacrificial blood up to the ultimate holy of holies, the very throne room of God. And spread that out before the altar in the presence of the Father. Uh, And that's what saves us. And nothing else can. And that's what gives us our mission and our purpose in life. And that is to honor and glorify the Christ who came and lived and died for us. Everything else sounds good. And maybe it has its place, but it's not something that you build your life on. It's not something that you put your trust in. Only Jesus Christ is that. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, that I am He, John 8, 24, you'll die in your sins. Uh, Paul talks to the Romans in chapter 6 and he tells them that you've got to die to sin. You've got to be buried uh, through baptism with Christ and then you can be raised to live a new life. Paul to the Colossians in chapter two is going to say very much the same thing in the verses that follow this passage, uh, starting in verse 11 and going down through verse 15, where he connects our baptism with the cross of Christ. And he reminds us that this is what it means to receive Jesus as Lord. It doesn't mean just pray a quick prayer and then go on your merry way, but rather it means to be completely obedient to Him in faith. And that faith includes repenting or changing your life, turning away from a life of self and sin, as Paul tells the Romans in chapter 6, and turning to Jesus Christ by confessing that faith that's in your heart and being baptized into Jesus Christ to be raised, as Paul says in Romans 6, to live a new life. This is what it means to turn to God. Don't settle for less when it comes to the foundation for your life. Don't settle for fine-sounding arguments. Don't settle for hollow and deceptive philosophy. Don't settle for the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year or the flavor of the decade, because there is one. (laughs) In human history, there has always been one. Why? Because for so many people, what the Bible says, what Scripture says, the simple story of God, of saving humanity through his son, Christ Jesus. The simple story of calling us to live a life of service, a life of sacrifice, a life of seeking God's will above my own. Just as Jesus prayed in the garden, may your will be done, Father, not mine. that That's the prayer that we pray. That's not the prayer that so many pray today. So many pray today, I want my will to be done so much so that I'm going to twist scripture around so that so that scripture equals my will and I'm not too worried about God's will. We rationalize and we listen to those fine sounding arguments. We, we argue with ourselves, some of those fine sounding arguments. We take hold of hollow and deceptive philosophy, which cannot save, and it cannot help us when we go through the really hard, hard things of life. And we will hopefully not all the time, hopefully not the worst, but some will. And when you do, when you do, there's only one thing that can help. There's only one thing that can help you through that and get you through that. It's not fine-sounding arguments. It's not hollow and deceptive philosophy. It's the firm foundation. It's the solid rock. We need to have our lives rooted and strengthened in Jesus Christ, our Lord, Uh, Paul would write to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 and say, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. When Peter and John were uh, arrested for healing a man in the name of Jesus in Acts 3 and 4, and as they stood before the religious Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 4, and they asked them how what what what's the power behind this? They clearly said it was Jesus Christ. And when they told them you can't preach any longer in his name, they said, well, we will obey God before we will obey people. Uh, and what they said in Acts 4 verse 12 is this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Please don't give in to hollow and deceptive philosophies, no matter how sensational and exciting they might be. Please don't give in to hollow and deceptive philosophy. Whatever the flavor of the month is, it's not enough. It won't give you lasting fulfillment. That can only come through Jesus Christ. Though I am absent from you in body, Colossians 2 verse 5, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are, and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, and I would add only in Christ, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and over every authority. Amen.